You're listening to Kyle Warren. Running out of runway, that's how Jonathan Turley is describing President Trump's efforts and the efforts of others like Representative Mike Kelly in Pennsylvania as the Supreme Court rejects the idea of hearing the case brought by Kelly. So we'll tell you about that on the program today. Also, here we continue learning more and more about actual things that went wrong in this election and how they can be fixed, but... Just four years ago, we were being told that the Russians stole the election. But of course, that's nowhere to be found now. Stay with us, folks. All right, welcome everyone around the globe and across the net. Kyle Warren with you and welcome as we race into and rocket into this Tuesday edition of the program. It is Tuesday, December the 8th, 2020, and we have an awful lot to tell you about on the program today. Uh, We're going to get started here real quick. A quick program note, though, I will be a guest on the Captain's America Third Watch radio program, and all that comes up later on this evening at 11.05 p.m. Pacific, 2.05 a.m. Eastern Time. You can go to KyleWarrenShow.com to listen to Captain Matt Bruce's flagship station of AM860, The Answer, there in Tampa, Florida, with the program going out along the Salem Media Group of stations, also along the GCN network as well. The captain and I will have a complete wrap-up of all of the day's political events, what's happening with the Supreme Court or what's not happening with the Supreme Court, as the case may be, plus the other news that you need to be hearing about but you might not be hearing about uh, in parts of the mainstream media and so once again we hope that you can join us live later on this evening uh, for the Captain's America Third Watch radio program and uh, we do have an awful lot to tell you about on the uh, program today Um, and we're going to talk about some of the things in the economy for example as we progress uh, talking about what's happening uh, to shopping malls uh, out there and of course here Here in California, we've gone into the lockdown phase. Uh, In fact, earlier today, my cell phone goes off. My cell phone goes off with a COVID-19 warning saying everybody needs to stay home. No non-essential travel and all these kinds of things. Uh, But yet, of course, uh, people are out and about. Uh, They're going to stores which are at a reduced capacity. But still, folks, a lot of people have had to close their doors uh, as a result of these new lockdowns, restaurants only being able to offer takeout and, uh, you know, a delivery service, basically, and many restaurateurs, uh, just like the uh, the woman uh, in Southern California, uh, the owner of the Pineapple Hill Grill and Saloon, uh, whose video went viral. Uh, talking about the fact that there was a uh, um, a television production uh, craft service, uh, you know, uh, operation set up literally a few feet away from her uh, her uh, tent area where she had outdoor dining set up that she was not allowed to use because of the lockdown that had been going on even heretofore to the one in Orange County uh, up there in L.A. County. 
and that she could not have customers dine at the table because it was too dangerous. But over just a few feet away, you could have a television crew uh, and, uh, you know, essentially sit there and do exactly the same thing. Um, what uh, just an absolute total disaster uh, it is it is now for so many small business owners uh, in California, no doubt. Uh, we heard tell that thousands of restaurants, for example, could close in New York alone. I can't imagine the number um, in California as a result of this lockdown that will continue on for at least three weeks. And well, you know, if you think it's three weeks and I'm not trying to be negative, but if you think it's three weeks, you know, I think we ought to guess again on that. Um, you know, we'll hear more and more about this, but it is just absolutely devastating. And all this ties into, of course, the idea of having a stimulus package. And we'll talk about that as we move through the program today. But first, let's start with the Representative Mike Kelly case, basically, that uh, went to the Supreme Court, um, but it did not uh, materialize at the Supreme Court at all. This from Newsmax. Uh, the U.S. Supreme Court rejected a request by Republican allies of President Donald Trump to nullify President-elect Joe Biden's election victory in Pennsylvania. The rebuff came without explanation and with no noted dissents. It marks the first time the high, the full high court has weighed in on efforts by Trump and his supporters to overturn Biden's victory. Lawmakers led by U.S. Representative Mike Kelly contended that the Pennsylvania General Assembly exceeded its power by allowing universal mail-in voting for the 2020 election. In rejecting the suit, the Pennsylvania Supreme Court said Republicans waited too long to sue and were advocating the extraordinary position. They said that the court disenfranchised all 6.9 million Pennsylvanians who voted in the general election and throw the decision to the state legislature. Biden would win the presidency even if Republicans had somehow nullified his Pennsylvania victory. Trump still still would be at least two states short of securing a majority in the Electoral College, which will formally select the next president on December the 14th. So evidently this went to Alito. Alito sent it to the to the court, basically. And uh, there was no explanation, no dissents, no nothing. And so we're not hearing anything about why they did that. However, we do have this clip, and I want to get to this clip here real quick. And I think we have time. Yes, we do. Uh, to listen uh, here to Brett Baer uh, from Fox News interviewing Jonathan Turley uh, about this particular thing, about the Supreme Court and the Kelly case, how Trump is seems to be running out of runway. You'll hear him talk about that. But also what it seems to be centering around is the massive relief that is being sought in this. Um, that is to say the idea that you would throw out um, all of the votes or declare the whole thing unconstitutional. And we'll hear what Jonathan Turley says. He's a very smart guy. And then we'll make some, uh, some comments on it because in my estimation, folks, you know, this is if, if this is a, a great big disservice that happened uh, or a great big fraud, I should say, that happened, then the relief should be commensurate 
with that. And we'll talk about the aspects of that when we uh, come back from this uh, clip. Let's listen in. Fights. Jonathan Turley is a professor at George Washington University Law School and a Fox News contributor. Jonathan, good evening. Um, let me start with the Pennsylvania decision by Justice Alito. He turns it over to the full Supreme Court. No noted dissents and they do not move forward. There's no injunctive relief there. Um, is that a big blow for the president's chances? It is a big blow. We you know we've talked in the past about how the president was running out of runway, and at this point, uh, to really make a difference, he'd have to land a jumbo jet on a postage stamp. I mean, he does not have a lot of runway left. Uh, this was considered his strongest case for the Supreme Court, and the court system has proven that it is independent in reviewing these these claims. Many of these are Trump appointees who are voting against the position of the president, not because they have animus, but because they don't see the legal case, particularly in terms of the relief of blocking certification. There is this sticker shock that kicks in for these courts saying, look, there are problems that you've identified. There have been illegal orders in other cases. Uh, there have been votes that have been negated. But they're asking for a really massive form of relief, which is blocking certification. Now, at the same time, it'd be nice if some Democratic senators um, actually apologize to people like Barrett and others. You know, during her hearing, they put out these conspiracy theories that she was being put on the court to kill the ACA or steal the election. None of that seems to be true, obviously. Okay, let's stop right there. Uh, again, very, very interesting comments. Yes, the relief is massive that is being, being sought. Uh, one would say it's unprecedented, but what we may have witnessed um, in all of these different things that we've heard, and putting it all together, uh, it is a massive, massive amount of things that have that have evidently happened in this election. And I think people would, uh, of course, want there to be an actual looking at this, an actual review of this. And if it's set, if it's shown that it was fraudulent, well, of course, I think the American people would agree with a massive relief that would come from that. So we'll talk about some of those options when we come back. If you're a veteran looking to file for your service-connected benefits through the Department of Veterans Affairs, don't go it alone. AMVET's highly trained service officers stand ready to walk you through the process at VA regional offices around the country, helping you to navigate the complex VA system free of charge. With new presumptions for Agent Orange exposure and other conditions, AMVETs can offer you the advice you need to finally receive all of your earned benefits. In 2009 alone, AMVETs helped process more than 65,000 claims and appeals, securing more than $410 million in benefits. To find your nearest AMVET service officer or to learn more, visit AMVETS.org. Hey, I'm going out to buy those shelves for the closet. Oh, will you pick up 800 lumen bulbs? Honey, I love you, but 800 more flowers? You'll give the neighbors a real reason to think we're wacky. <laughs> Not flower bulbs, light bulbs. Come on, Dad. Lumens tell you how bright a bulb is. Our 60-watt bulbs give off about 800 lumens. We can replace them with new 800 lumen bulbs. Bulbs just as bright that use much less energy. So, we'll save money. Yes, and we can use that money to increase my allowance. Right. <laughs> Wise guy. Worth a try. So, you got that? Got it. No tulips, no watts, 800 lumens, and more savings. He got it. Lumens, the new way to shop for light. Learn more at energysavers.gov. That's energysavers.gov.
A message from the U.S. Department of Energy. After a long, hard day in the rough-and-tumble world of politics, open a tall, cool Kyle Warren show. Ah, that crisp, refreshing taste. That smooth style. That effervescing attitude. And without all that other stuff that can, well, bog you down. Helping to put back what the daily media assault takes away, listen to The Kyle Warren Show weekdays right here on this station and visit the website at kylewarrenshow.com. Worldwide. Merry Christmas from all of us at The Kyle Warren Show. I'm Ron Edwards, host of The Edwards Notebook. Class is in session with the professor of politics, Kyle Warren. Yes, it is, and thank you, Mr. Ron Edwards. Appreciate that, Liner. And folks, welcome back to the program. Don't forget, we're on Parlor, and you can find me on Parlor at Kyle Warren Show. You can also go to KyleWarrenShow.com. There, you can find me on Facebook. Friend me on Facebook. Join me on Twitter. Subscribe to the program. Check out my video pick of the day. All that and much more right there. The KyleWarrenShow.com, and we keep going up and up and up, just like the music is doing right there. And we have one reason and one reason only uh, for that, and that, of course, is you, the listener. Thank you so much uh, to everybody out there who are uh, sharing the program, uh, subscribing to the program, uh, and uh, telling your friends about the program. We sure do appreciate it. And if you're new here to the program, and if you like what we do, uh, we do ask that you consider subscribing to the program and then also sharing the program on your social media uh, to help get the word out there. We really really do uh, appreciate it okay let's let's get back i want to hear a little bit more of where this goes with uh, jonathan turley uh, and again you know what's what's happening of course is that there there is there is that shortening runway and i i agree with jonathan turley on that i think that um it is it is very very bleak uh in the in the sense but again, I think what the American people would expect, and of course, we're not going to get this in the mainstream media. It's just not going to be there. So I think we should stop looking for it, basically. Um, but uh, it, it's a very, very serious thing. The mainstream media is not going to be investigative about this. The mainstream media, by and large, um, are not going to be rah-rah-rah uh, for Donald Trump and his notion of exploring and 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 looking to have all of his rights uh you know seen to in this process that if you feel that you've been wronged in this country right in this country if you feel you've been wrong what can you do you can bring a lawsuit uh you can uh you know ask for relief and you're supposed to be able to 
to play out all of your rights in any situation, and that's why we have the legal system that we do. But what's actually happening now, of course, is that there is a certain thought that you're supposed to have about this. Now, even I would even perchance to think if it was a different Republican president, and I'll, I'll just throw that out there for consideration. Even if, if it was a different Republican president, there might even be the hint in the mainstream media that, well, there are some, and you heard Jonathan Turley talk about it. Right. There seems to be there's these things that look like have gone wrong, uh, uh, invalid orders or these kinds of things. And so even if in other words, if it wasn't a Republican president named Donald Trump, um, you might just might a little tiny little bit might have some of the media saying, and, you know, in America, this is what we do. We, we make sure that we, uh, if you're going to push it to the limit, you have the rights and you have the time to do it. And you have, I mean, this is what our country's all about. You might hear that. Uh, and well, you know, as I said, just a tiny little infinitesimal little bit. But with Donald Trump, it's an entirely different thing. And it's just fine because, you know, you're just trying to get Trump. That's the only thing that the media and the far left and the Democrat Party officials and so forth, that's all they want to do. They just want to get Trump. And so getting Trump also means it's kind of like trying to get Kavanaugh, which they weren't able to do. But if you noticed, the Democrats, when Kavanaugh had um, uh, accusations uh, leveled against him, what do the Democrats want to do? Immediately want to have FBI investigations. You know, we talked about this before. Uh, they immediately wanted FBI investigations. Can't we just have, it'll just take 10 days. I mean, what's 10 days given a lifetime appointment and the gravity of what of what Kavanaugh's job will be and we should have these investigations just so we know because these these allegations are so serious. And they were trumpeting these kinds of things. They wanted it to play out for the accuser, but not really for Kavanaugh. Uh, in that sense. And, and so again, it just the the amount of bias, the amount of of uh, uh, of special treatment, as it were, is just so obvious. Right. And of course, if there are serious allegations, we should check them out. Right. But if there are serious problems with an election where they stop the counting and then inject the votes and then all the in the statistically impossible and and on it goes and they they ushered the people out and they put up cardboard and and then they had the thumb drives and they had this and they have the dominion voting machines which are uh, problematic at best uh, we know where they came from we know what they were designed to do uh we we understand all these things and anybody you know you know remember that show are you smarter than a fifth grader or something <laughs> well a fifth grader could look at this and and figure it out that something very fishy uh, has gone on but if you noticed here's here's what what the deal is if you see something fishy and it's demonstrably fishy and uh, and uh, and you say something about it well, you're not heralded as someone who, hey, you found something fishy. No, what you're held, heralded as or decried as 
maybe it's a better word, is, you know, you're you're just an ideologue or you're you're just a trumper and and this kind of thing. And so when all the thrust and this is and and I think I mentioned something about this uh, last week, but, you know, 30, 40, 50 years ago, people would be looking at this kind of stuff um, sort of in an academic way and say, well, you know, one day the mass media will be so powerful that they will be able to simply shape the opinion uh, they will be able to foist anything they want to onto the populace and it will just be a narrative that is inescapable and i think we're we've hit that critical mass at this point uh wouldn't you think in the mainstream media with the exception uh in some ways of fox news um and some other other um organizations but generally speaking, you know, when you think of the mass media, you think of the, the big alphabet networks and so forth. But there is no dissent. There is there is there is no, no such thing. And the 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 uh, uh, constant drumming that anybody who has any question about this is a conspiracy theorist. It's, it's just it's all it's all baseless and so on and so forth couple that with the suppression of the hunter biden story and you see exactly what's coming to fruition what everybody was sort of scared about uh, not all that long ago and so it's a real disservice to the american people because the american people i think are getting tired of being told don't believe your eyes remember when the cities were on fire and all that no no these these are mostly peaceful um you know it's it's not what you think uh and it's they're not violent and antifa's okay and oh it's just an idea nobody who nobody fact-checked at least out of the mainstream media the truth over facts media nobody fact-checked joe biden on that when he said it in the debate it's an idea it's an idea well these people with the ideas they're hitting people in the head with the baseball bat and you know that's not an idea anymore is it uh but nobody fact checked uh, uh joe biden about this this is incredibly important to the future of our country and when you have this poo-pooed so much and you have this narrative of drumming people out of uh, of society, basically, uh, because they are saying, wait a minute, I, what happened with these voting machines? What happened with the, the thing over here? I mean, it looks pretty bad. You know, broken water pipe? Where's the broken mainline water pipe? Where was that anyway? And why do we have to stop the counting? And all these things that went on. You know, well, you, I'm sorry. You're just not. You're not one of us, and we're going to, uh, we're we're going to have to cancel you now. Uh, we're going to have to make sure that you can't work, and and you'll be uh, uh, ostracized, and and these kinds of things. Because why? Because we're just, you know, say it's a new day, man. It's a new day, and 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 this is the way it's going to be. And we need compliance. That's really one of the main keys here that is compliance compliance not just uh of obeying the law and this kind of stuff which we all do but it's a compliance of thought and you know again i was a while back i actually watched that movie uh, i of course studied the book when i was in school uh 1984 by george orwell and uh, if you get a chance uh, to either review the book or or watch the watch the movie um, you'll you'll see again it's this notion that you can simply 
um, you know, bring the people along with a certain narrative. And if you if you don't go along with that narrative, well, guess what? You know, that's not going to be pretty for you. And that's really a very, very scary thing uh, indeed. So um, it's not about conspiracy theories. It's about trying to get to the truth. But the truth over facts media doesn't want you to even ask the question. And that's not the way America's supposed to work. Okay, when we come back, we will hear more from Jonathan Turley, plus much, much more here on the program today. Stay right there. You're listening to Kyle Warren. Hi, folks. This is Kyle Warren. Stay tuned for the Edwards Notebook right here on the Kyle Warren Show. A candy maker in Indiana wanted to produce a candy that would be a witness, so he made the Christmas candy cane. Hello, I'm Ron Edwards. On today's page from the Edwards Notebook, the candy maker began with a stick of pure white hard candy to symbolize the virgin birth and sinless nature of Jesus. The candy maker made the candy in the form of a J to represent the name of Jesus who came to earth as our Savior. It also represented the staff of the Good Shepherd who reaches down into the ditches of the world to lift out the fallen lambs that have gone astray. Realizing his candy was very plain, the candy maker stated with red stripes to symbolize the scourging Jesus received by which we are all healed. The large red stripe was for the blood shed by Jesus on the cross so that we could have the promise of eternal life. Unfortunately, the candy became known only as a candy cane, a meaningless decoration seen at Christmas time. But the meaning is still there for those who have eyes to see and ears to hear. I pray that this symbol will again be used to witness the wonder of Jesus and His great love that came down to us remain the ultimate and dominant force in the universe today and forever. Merry Christmas, and may God bless everyone. I'm Ron Edwards. Please check out theronedwards.com. Sponsored by the Tri-County Liberty Coalition. Whether it wishes us well or ill, that we shall pay any price, bear any burden, meet any hardship, support any friend, oppose any foe, to assure the survival and the success of liberty. You're listening to Kyle Warren. All right, welcome back, everybody. Kyle Warren with you. Welcome back as uh, we continue racing through and uh, rocketing through this uh, Tuesday uh, edition of the uh, program. Uh, Yes, still the Tuesday edition. And... uh, we have so much more to tell you about um, as uh, as we continue today. Um, okay, so yeah, let's let's go back and listen to a little bit of what Jonathan Turley was talking about with Brett Baer uh, when we heard earlier he was talking about how the relief that is being sought in this case is is massive, and this may be one of the reasons why uh, the Supreme Court is not uh, is not keen to uh, to listen to these things. There is the other case, of course, that's coming up uh, with Texas. 
Um, we understand some other states uh, are joining in with that case. Uh, and this is going to be a very interesting thing in and of itself. And that is uh, that they're actually bringing uh, suits that the election was improper and this kind of thing. And that may go to the Supreme Court uh, as well more quickly um and uh, we'll see if the uh, justices uh will hear that uh, it's my understanding that uh, when a state sues another state that that seems to be in the purview of the supreme court um uh, as, uh, as well so um and that's and that may uh fast track that there uh in terms of getting it heard uh but let's listen to jonathan hurley sh- uh, par- pardon me jonathan turley shall we you say he's running out of runway and just look at the Electoral College timeline here. Today was the deadline to resolve disputes, actually. Uh, December 14th, the electors vote in the states. December 23rd, the states certified deliver the votes. January 6th, the House and Senate joint session count the votes, declare officially uh, the winner. There is this other case that John mentioned uh, out of the Texas Attorney General filing uh, to the Supreme Court directly. Uh, Court watchers are looking at how this particular Pennsylvania case was dealt with 40 minutes after the filings came in. Does that suggest that they're just not in the mood to take care of anything else like this? I'm afraid that Texas case falls in that category of that dog won't hunt. I mean, I don't see how that's going to be successful, particularly after this loss. And yes, the timing was notable. This, The ink was hardly dry on the filing uh, when the court came back and basically ended this issue. Uh, so I think that it does not look very promising. Last few days, we've also noticed the Trump campaign and President Trump himself are talking more about going to the legislatures. You'll notice on his list of people that could change this, the first justice was number three. Uh, He talked about a legislator or legislatures, and that's a straight muscle play. That's an effort to try to get legislatures to say, we don't want the certification of these votes to go for Biden. That is also not likely to succeed, but it does show a shift away from the court. And there you have uh, Professor Jonathan Turley uh, talking with uh, Brett Baer. And those are some pretty interesting comments, um, of course, it, it the idea that if the state legislatures were to say there's there was something that went wrong in this election, um, we're not necessarily going to tell um, you know select new electors and tell them to vote for Trump, but they would be in dispute. Um, they would not go vote basically for anybody at that point. Uh, that to me tells me this would throw it into the House of Representatives for that scenario. So there are these different scenarios, um, but unfortunately, even though, uh, and I understand the time is running out, I, I do think, though, that if, if fraud can be shown, if a crime had been committed, then certifications would be based on fraudulent results. Uh, so obviously certifications wouldn't hold water at that point, but you have the Democrats and many in the media and on the far left, they all want to hang their hats on. Well, it's too late. It's too late. It's too late. And this date is passed or this date is passing and so on. But again, what's what I think the American people want to know. And is that and that is the truth. What happened? How did it happen? How was it done? Um, and if you notice, though, 
the the general thrust of these things unless they're you know sort of these kooky people some of the uh, these kooky people on tv um you know they just they just want it to be because it's their, their guy got it that kind of thing um and um what the american people want to know is what happened because there is as i said there is sort of this feeling out there that wait a minute this does seem a little fishy uh given all these things that we know take it in total it does turn out to be pretty fishy and um you know it's just anecdotal there's no doubt about it we don't base this on just gut feelings but nobody i've talked to seems to really believe that oh yeah biden got 80 million votes oh yeah this is the greatest election and is most secure in the history of the universe uh, and on it goes if anything people are saying whoa wait a minute people are asking questions like why is it that even my local news keeps saying the um you know president trump today continued with his baseless conspiracy theories it sounds like wait a minute you know wait a minute i, I thought if we we're reporting the news we would report that president trump says he believes there's election irregularities and pointed to this 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 and this as his uh support for that now the in the olden days the listener or the viewer could draw their own conclusion to that because the news people would say president trump objects based on this this and this and the biden campaign rejects those uh, objections based on this this and this and then the listener or the viewer could make up their own mind that day seems to have gone away very very quickly because now it's Joe Biden is now the president-elect. Even Chris Wallace uh, interrupted uh, the, his guest. It was um, HHS Secretary Azar, I believe, and because he referred to Biden as Vice President Biden. No, no, he is the president-elect. And so now, again, it's that Orwellian sort of thing. It's not, it's not about respect and all that. I'm all about being respectful. And the guest was actually being respectful. Uh, you know, he, he wasn't being wildly, outlandishly insulting or anything of this nature. But the the term even president-elect is really just, it's, it's an oblation. And right now, it's the, the electoral college hasn't met. Nobody's actually, the electors haven't cast their votes yet. So in a sense, people call the person who seems to have won the election uh, for any presidential cycle, the president-elect. If they're unseating a sitting president, or if they're just uh, the one, like when Obama beat uh, 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 McCain, and there wasn't a sitting president uh and you know in other words bush was outgoing term limited and so now one of these two people are going to win and so after it became clear that obama was winning the election then people would call him president-elect but it is an official title but it is applied in um in in, uh, in that form only because it seems traditional and so i'm not trying to be disrespectful people would call president trump president-elect prior to uh the uh, the elector deadline uh to meet in december of 2016 but when you interrupt somebody oh no no oh, he's the president-elect um that to me seems a little heavy-handed um and again it's it's a it's something that if the interviewer says you must refer to someone as thus and such 
well, what country do we live in anymore? I'm, I'm really curious about that. So I came up with an idea. I'm just going to bounce it off you, and uh, <laughs> you can see what you think about this. And that is, you know, say if someone came on uh, a program and Chris Wallace was going to be uh, a guest, uh, you, it, what would happen if the, uh, the interviewer on the program said, anybody who calls the program or asks a question about Chris Wallace must refer to him as doofus Chris Wallace. And if you call up and ask a question for Chris Wallace, we're not going to take it. You've got to refer to him as doofus, okay, or something like that. That, my friends, would would not be right. It would be very disrespectful. Uh, But I think it shows that the term president-elect is just that. It's a term. And uh, uh, but to make that sort of uh, to insist upon it in that manner, I think was was not cool. Uh, But again, it shows the thrust of the of the narrative, the narrative. Thou shalt not not only not disagree, but thou shalt not even uh, speak the wrong word. Uh, you know, you, you could correct people all the time when someone's on a program and they say, well, I think Trump is going to, oh, no, 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 what? You refer to him as President Trump on this program. <laughs> you know, I mean, that would also sound a little weird, wouldn't it? I mean, because people talk like this and this kind of thing all the time. Um, so again, and it just shows a real, um, I think, just a not cool factor for Chris Wallace. I'm sorry about that. He seems like a likable fellow uh, and so forth. But uh, honestly, uh, I think it went a little bit too far. All right. Quick break. When we come back, we're going to tell you more about what's going on, plus what's happening in the economy and the stimulus package. This is Chicago style hot dog here. I'm not feeling too good. Turns out, along with all the other bad things my cholesterol does, they say it's a risk factor for strokes. Strokes? Sheesh. Good news from National Stroke Association. Exercising, eating right, and asking your doctor about medicines that can help lower your cholesterol, like statins, may reduce the risk of a first stroke. And if you've already had a stroke, it's even more important you lower your cholesterol. Lower your chances of stroke by controlling your cholesterol. Visit stroke.org today. Hey, John, I just heard you got a new computer. Congratulations. Thanks. It's the coolest thing. What will you do with your old computer? I don't know. I guess I'll just throw it away. Well, my company just bought new computers, and we decided to donate the old PCs to a place that gives them to local schools. You could do something like that. Seriously, who would want a three-year-old computer? Hey, it might be great for someone else. Computers can be refurbished and reused instead of ending up in the trash. By passing it on, you can help the community and the environment. If you're replacing your company's IT equipment or you're finished using your personal computer, pass it on to a local organization that accepts computers. To learn more, log on to epa.gov slash pass it on. This message was brought to you by EPA, Dell, Intel, HP, NEC, Philips, and this radio station on behalf of EPA's Plug Into E-Cycling Partnership. EPA does not endorse any commercial services or products of these groups. For information on all partners, log on to epa.gov slash plugin. In sports, five games were featured in hockey action last week. Every year, millions of people rely on portable generators when they lose access to electricity. But some of them don't understand that a portable generator's carbon monoxide emissions can kill if their generators are used indoors. So we're here to clear the air. Always take your generator outside, away from windows and doors. When you take it outside, you distance yourself from the dangers of carbon monoxide. For more safety tips, visit TakeYourGeneratorOutside.com. Have you saved a life today? We organize a blood drive at our school. My blood type is O. They really need that. 
Have you saved a life today? I have cancer, but I make sure all my friends know how important it is to give blood. My blood helps heart patients or accident victims. Have you saved a life today? No, but today, someone's blood saved my son. The American Red Cross. Call 1-800-GIVE-LIFE. Hi, folks. This is Kyle Warren. I'd like to hear from you about the things we're talking about on the program. Go to KyleWarrenShow.com, click on Send Kyle a Message, or send it to my Facebook page, Facebook.com slash Show. I'm Ron Edwards, host of The Edwards Notebook, and you're being schooled by Kyle Warren the professor of politics. Yes, that's right. Welcome back to the program, everybody. Kyle Warren with you. Glad to be with you, of course, as we continue to race through, rocket through the Tuesday edition. And, of course, don't forget you can go to KyleWarrenShow.com where you can subscribe to the program right there. We sure appreciate it when you do that and telling your friends about the program um, as well. Uh, Well, this from, uh, well, from Radio.com, council members on Monday passed a measure to shift $8 million. And this is in, uh, well, hold on, wait a second. A showdown, I should say, is coming Wednesday night over an attempt by Minneapolis City Council members to push through cuts to the police department that would eliminate, get this folks, 138 officers. Council members on Monday passed a measure to shift $8 million to such areas as mental health crisis response teams and violence, violent prevention programs. I think they mean violence prevention programs because the programs themselves should not be violent. (laughs) I think that's got to be a misprint. Violent prevention programs. Um, uh, So I think they mean violence prevention programs. Also, during the four-hour meeting, council agreed to create a new fund that might be able to offset some of those cuts. That is, if council approves the uh, release of the money. Mayor Jacob Fry, who has voiced his opposition to any attempts to defund the city's police department, called the proposal irresponsible. Yep. Uh, he is also threatening to veto the proposal, which council needs a supermajority to override. It tells me that Frey is still negotiating uh, with a few members by saying he's considering a veto. Political insider Blois. uh, uh, told Dave Lee on WCCO Morning News. The full council meets Wednesday night, with city leaders already pushing up the start time by two hours, likely in anticipation of heated discussion and community comments. Council is expected to vote on the 2021 budget proposal before the meeting ends. Earlier, Mayor Fry announced $5 million initiative Funding mostly by businesses that would have integrated some of the proposed social programs without having to reduce the number of uniformed officers on the street. This is, well, you know, if you were to eliminate 138 officers out of the Minneapolis Police Department, I think that sounds like a disaster with what all everything that's happened already. Uh, this is, again, this notion of defund the police is not popular. Uh, this is a purely ideologue sort of a thing. Uh, and even Barack Obama the other day tried to come out and uh, and soften this up 
because they know this doesn't play. Uh, they understand that when when people go out and talk about defunding the police, people say that's crazy. Um, and so, you know, I think that uh, I don't think Obama necessarily was trying to just, OK, no, soften it up now. And we're not really trying. I think he's trying to trying to make it uh, more palatable or something like that uh, because it would turn off people. Because what is the direction they're really going? They're, they're really going in that direction. And that's very, very scary indeed. And we can't just go and defund the police. That's 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 never going to be the answer. It is only, 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 only a political answer for people to make political hay out of. I want to defund the police and and tear down all the prisons and have no cash bail and 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 this kind of stuff. And really, we'd be better off sending out people with clipboards you know really to violent potentially violent situations where people are going to get killed and unfortunately the social workers are going to be in harm's way you can't enforce the law without some kind of 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 backup without some and that's why police officers and deputy sheriffs this is why they carry firearms because if someone doesn't comply in the sense that they become violent and all that, they have to be able to protect the public. And that is the ultimate backup that they have. You know, I, I can't imagine. I mean, are there any statistics at all that violent criminals would just go, I'm so glad so-and-so showed up with a clipboard because then I wasn't really going to kill everybody. You know, it just doesn't make any sense. Let's do, but let's defund the police, though. That's, that's all right. Well, why? Because it sounds good. Oh, it's a slogan. Oh, that's right. It's just a slogan. As the cities are burning with the mostly peaceful protests. Yeah, that's just, yeah, it, and this will really get us far. No, people don't believe this. They don't believe it. They just don't. But here's what they do believe. They believe it when people say they want to defund the police. And I think... Even with this preview of coming attractions for a Biden administration, people are realizing, oh, boy, you know, you know, if, if the Biden machine really does get in power, uh, we're all kind of in really bad situations here. You know, they are, you know, and, and notwithstanding the internal war of the uh, Democrat Party and the progressives, as they're called, versus the uh, other Democrats and the Democrat Party elite and so forth, you know, it's all becoming um uh, it, it, it's a total disaster is what it is. Uh, this from Bloomberg, uh, Treasury Secretary Steven Mnuchin said he presented a new $916 billion COVID-19 relief proposal to House Speaker Nancy Pelosi in the first move by the Trump administration since Election Day to break a months long standoff. Mnuchin said in a tweeted statement that he had conferred with Republican congressional leaders on the plan, as well as President Donald Trump. He said he spoke with Pelosi at 5 p.m. Washington time on Tuesday. This proposal includes money for state and local governments and robust liability protections for businesses, schools and universities. Mnuchin said in his statement, those two issues have been the two key roadblocks in bipartisan talks in a $908 billion proposal put forth last week. Now, here's the thing. There's something very important in there, and that is liability protections for businesses. I think, isn't this something that Democrats didn't want to have any part of? Well, that's pretty important. Because the problem is, as a business, you need to be able to open up and you should be able to open up. And as long as you're following the reasonable guidelines, not unreasonable, but reasonable guidelines, then you should have some 
protective shield. Now, if you're flagrantly not following the guidelines, if you're doing things that are are demonstrably uh, risky and all these kinds of things, well, then you that you might not have that um, uh, that protection, that liability protection that would be extended. But if you are following the rules, as it were, you should have every liability protection extended so that businesses can operate. How many people are going to go out of business right before Christmas time? How many people are going to have this problem that is going to devastate their lives uh, and, and, and have nowhere to go literally? What's going to happen if they don't get a stimulus package? So watch for the Democrats again to just drag their feet, say no, and don't want to have businesses have any kind of protections whatsoever, and on and on it will go, and they will continue to withhold the aid that the American people so desperately need for more political points. Nobody even understands what's going on any longer. I know every single person I know, they're willing to be careful. They're willing to wear their mask in public. They're willing to do the right thing to make sure that they're social distancing and all these kinds of things. They're willing to do all these things, but but not at the cost of saying you you can't have your income anymore. Oh, and, and by the way, even though we just said you can't have your income, <laughs> we're not going to give you any other help as a result of this. You know, and it's, it's just too much. It's just too much. All right. Well, as we uh, end the program today, folks, today is December 8th, uh, 2020. Forty years ago today, John Lennon was shot and killed um, in front of the Dakota building, his home uh, in New York City. And uh, just a, a terrible, terrible day. I remember it very vividly. I'd come home from a high school uh, astronomy uh, meeting um, and Howard Cosell broke in on Monday Night Football to tell the world the news that John Lennon uh, had been taken from us. The loss, of course, incalculable. Um, Let's listen to a little bit of John uh, singing about watching the wheels as we head out uh, to the end of the program today. Folks, thanks for listening. We'll see you on the radio tonight and right back here tomorrow. Take care out there. People say I'm crazy Doing what I'm doing Well, they give me all kinds of warnings To save me from ruin